Okay, say some things. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast celebrates the arrival of spring in the Northern Hemisphere with a special guest, storyteller Priscilla Howe. She is the author of the recently released book of Bulgarian folktales called Clever, Kind, Tricky, and Sly. With so much happening in the world, Priscilla and Sindera find hope, laughter, and wisdom in storytelling and the archetype of the trickster. This podcast is full of heart as it unveils aspects of the trickster that can be kind as well as sly. We hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, Priscilla how to the archetypal tarot podcast this is your host sandara quackenbush and we have priscilla here to talk about her new book which is clever kind tricky and sly a bulgarian folktale sampler yay so glad you're here with us and it's um a very special month to be talking about bulgaria and Eastern Europe. Uh, so it's really wonderful to have you here. Thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah, welcome. And the archetypes I think we'll be exploring a little bit is our tricksters and fools that are so classic to the tarot. And I just want to uh, mention that when I first met you, Priscilla, it was at the National Storytelling Network Conference, Storytelling Conference. And I was, I was new in my relationship with my husband at the time, who's Bulgarian. I had a pass to the conference. He didn't. And then I saw that there was going to be this evening of raunchy, naughty <laughs> Bulgarian <laughs> trickster tales. And I was like, this is too good to be true. So I believe I in a very trickstery way, snuck my husband in to the performance to watch you. And we just had a blast uh, hearing your stories. And you have a very unique story about how you came to tell and, and retell and write these Bulgarian stories. Can you please share with, with us about that? Sure. First, I want to say that it was so fun for me because I could see, as I was telling these stories, I could see him getting them on a different level from everybody else. And I knew he was Bulgarian. I just knew it. And then you said, his name is Joro. And so I was like, oh, and then he and I had this little conversation during the stories as well, um, which was just hilarious to me. So I, I fell into my, my love of Bulgarian years ago, just by mistake. So in 1980, uh, let's see, 81, 82, I was studying in Belgium. I was studying, doing my junior year abroad in Belgium, got offered a course in Bulgarian. And I said, yes, I, I just didn't, I didn't even think about it. I just said, sure. Said, you want to give me a course in Bulgarian? Yeah. I had already studied Russian and I, I, I took this class. It was very fun. I went on a summer seminar after that to Bulgaria for a month that I, and I loved it. I, I loved it. And I wanted to go. To Bulgaria for a year. So I went during um, 83, 84, which was a different time in Bulgaria. It was behind the Iron Curtain. And I completely immersed myself. I barely spoke English that entire year. And then I've 
I, I, I came back to the US, became a, I went to library school, I became a librarian, um, first a Slavic librarian, then a children's librarian, and that's where I learned to tell stories. But I still had this thing about Bulgaria and about Bulgarian stories. So in um, 2015, I went to Bulgaria for five months on a Fulbright scholarship to collect folktales. And I specifically wanted folktales of tricksters and animals. I ended up getting more stories than that, but that was what I was, what my focus was. Let me pause you just for a second there. So you you had this focus. You were you were ready to narrow it to the to the tricksters and the animals. Um, so there's already this archetype of the trickster, the fool, uh, alive in you, drawing you to it uh, via Bulgarian stories. So can you tell me a little bit about that uh, with it, that interest within yourself, <laughs> insights as to where that comes from, or how that's maybe part of your life, your character, your your patterns. Yes, I think it is part of my life. I think I have always been kind of that uh, that trickster in a way, and I've always i i i say that I've gotten to do so many things in my life just by saying yes. Sure, I'll do that. Just let me walk off this cliff, and. Um, and see what happens. And so, um, and I love, I love the trickster tales, even they they tend not to be malicious. They tend to be, um, they tend to be lighthearted mostly. I mean, occasionally they are a little bit malicious, but, but not hugely. Um, they make us, they help us laugh at ourselves. And I think that is really, really important. We don't, need to take ourselves so seriously and i think that's one reason that i love these these particular stories oh a huge chunk of ice and snow just fell off my roof that was that clunk you just heard oh my goodness i think that must be um baba marta speaking who we'll have a little visit with later as well she'll be our second archetype of interest <laughs> she's she's yes. already she's already tapping at the window she is. Uh, <laughs> and uh, tell our audience where you're you're calling in from today. I am here from Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, wonderful! And we had a huge snowstorm on Thursday, and now it's all melting. Wow! And what what do they think of Bulgarian tales in Lawrence, Kansas? Unless they know me, they don't know anything about Bulgarian folk tales. <laughs> really, it's uh, most people don't most people don't know where Bulgaria is. They don't know that it's north of Greece and south of Romania and west of Turkey and east of Serbia and Macedonia, northern Macedonia. Now we call it. Um, yeah. And so you were already studying Russian language and probably yes. Russian stories as well. And then you got this interest in Bulgaria. Um, what would you say? So a lot of people just kind of conflate uh, Eastern European, Eastern European countries. What would you say are some of the fundamental differences or similarities that Bulgaria might share with Russia and um, maybe some of the surrounding cultures as well? Well, some of the some of the similarities are uh, that the alphabet is almost the same. Mm -hmm. So um, it's very close. The, the Bulgarian Cyrillic al alphabet is a little bit different from the Russian Cyrillic. Um, the language roots are the same. However, the history is quite different. And so people don't realize that Bulgaria um, is right next to Turkey and the Ottoman Empire was vast and powerful. 
and was in Bulgaria for, ruled Bulgaria for over 400 years. And so there's a lot of Turkish influence in Bulgaria. There's also, and, and you, you see that in the food. So people think about Eastern European food being heavy, potatoes and cabbage. And in Bulgaria, it's light. It's like everything you think of as Greek food, everything, all of that delicious feta cheese and yogurt and fresh cucumbers and um, phyllo dough, all of that is Bulgarian food. And that a lot of that comes from the Ottoman Empire. Oh, wow. And, and my husband has filled me in that there's this character often in Bulgarian stories called the Haji. Am I saying that right? The Haji? The, the, well, there's the Hoja. Yeah. Hoja. And um, the Hoja is sort of uh, represents some of that uh, occupied, um, I think, from the Turkish side, right? Or the Ottoman. And, yes. um, and the the Bulgarian is sort of the poor man or the the peasant and uh, the the character named Hitterpetter who we'll meet in, the, in a few as well. But he uh, he's kind of tricking and getting one over on the the Haja, the the kind of the richer, more powerful man. Is that is that what you've run across as well? Yes, although it's interesting because the because Nasruddin Khoja is he's the um, archetypal or uh, that's probably the wrong word to use here. He is the uh, he's the he's the Turkish trickster, and um, he's well known all <laughs> everywhere where the Ottoman Empire was. You'll hear stories about Nasruddin Khoja, and in Bulgarian he's sometimes called Nasruddin Khoja. There are lots of different names for him, but um, uh, he. There are stories that are told about Kitar Petr, Clever Peter, and the Hoja um, that are the same story. There are also stories uh -huh. where the two of them meet. Whenever the two of them meet, I have noticed that Clever Peter, Kitar Petr, will always prevail over the Hoja. And that is because <laughs> they were the underdogs. And so right. <laughs> as the underdogs, you want to tell that story of getting one over on, on, on the overlord. Um, but the but the Hoja can be also just as poor as Clever Peter. Oh, okay. Um, in the stories that are just about him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I came across him in a Turkish tale recently where he's um falls in love with this beautiful woman and his his wife actually tricks him into going following her more and more and more and more until he gets arrested. <laughs> she lets it go out to its full fruition. And then she saves him in the end. And he says, wow, you are such an amazing woman. <laughs> it's like, this is a really cool trickster, uh, trickster and, and Turkish tale at the same yes, time. Yes. That <laughs> uh, actually had kind of a, the, a female trickster in it, which is um, sometimes. There are not so many, not so many of the female tricksters. It's interesting. Oh. So let's turn to uh, the tales in your book. So uh, what should we know about the overview? What, where, where you take the reader uh, with the folktale sampler uh, and maybe hear uh, one or two of these tales? Sure, sure. Well, what, what, um, what I did in this book is I, I told the stories, but I also told the stories about the stories. Mm. Where I found them, how I got to Bulgaria in the first place and where I found the stories and um also with some tips on telling them and also i've i've included uh with some of the stories what other variants are in other countries 
because many of these stories are found in many cultures. And so, um, for example, there's a story, um, the tale type is theft of a smell, is, is what it's usually called. And the Bulgarian version is a little bit different from all of the other versions I've ever heard. And so, should I tell you that one? Yes, let's hear it. I'll just tell you this one. Clever Peter, Kiter Petr, was hungry, as often happened. He didn't have any money. He had a crust of bread in his little in his little satchel, but that's all he had. So he was going through town, and there was a market, and a, a man was selling stew. He was selling guvetch right there in the market. Clever Peter took his crust of bread out of his bag, and he held it over the steam of that stew, so he could get a little bit of the moisture and a little bit of the flavor. Well, the the shopkeeper, the stall holder came out and said, hey, hey, you're stealing that. You have to pay. Clever Peter said, I'm, I'm just holding my bread over the steam. Yeah, that's my steam. If you won't pay me, you're stealing. Come on, pay up. Clever Peter said, I don't have any money. Well, I'm calling the judge. And so the stall holder called the judge. The judge came along and said, what's, what's going on here? This man is stealing from me. He's stealing my steam. He held his bread right over the steam from my stew. Clever Peter said, it's true. I did. The judge said, uh-huh. And you didn't pay? Clever Peter said, I, I don't have any money. I'm, I didn't steal any of the stew. I really, I didn't dip my bread in. I just held it over the steam. The judge said, well, clearly you stole the steam. So I'm going to have to punish you. Come on out here. Come right out into the middle of the square. Everyone gather around. And everyone did gather around. The judge said to the stall holder, get me a stick. Get me a big stick. So the stall holder found a great big stick and he gave it to that judge. The judge said, now you stand right here. Clever Peter stood right where the judge told him to. The judge lifted that stick. It was a nice sunny day, by the way lifted that stick and beat the shadow of Clever Peter. He beat and beat and beat the shadow. He said, there, I, you stole the steam and I have punished the shadow. Now, all of you back, back to where you were. And that's the end of that. Bravo. This is such a famous tale. And, you know, this is the one that my husband's eyes lights up and he says, oh, you should tell the one about the um, whipping the shadow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have to think about this now. It's so interesting, just from an archetypal lens, from a, a psychological lens. The shadow is a big word in, in Jungian psychology. It's it's the part of ourselves, right, that we, we don't want to see. We shove down into um, the deepest part of ourselves. It comes out. Um, and 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 what what can it mean, or what wisdom do you think this tale holds for the rest of us that are uh, unaware of our shadows or seeking? Um, what 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 do you think this holds for us? It's just I'm feeling it on the inside, but I'm not sure if I'm able to articulate or make a connection yet. Gosh, I'm not sure either, and I'm I'm also thinking about the the role of the judge. You yeah, know, and the judge really comes in as a wise, you know, it's not um, 
I feel like a version that my husband may have told us that um, that Hitcher Petter says, you know, oh, you can you can whip my shadow because I just got the steam, you know, and he kind of, <laughs> he gets the credit for that wonderful insight. But in this, in this telling of the tale, it's really this judge that uh, sees that wisdom and, and comes forth to, to give the justice and make a point. Um, mm-hmm. that's really beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not sure I'm that's, but it, that's very interesting. That gives us something to chew on a little bit about, about the shadow and about uh, the evanescence of the steam. That's right. Maybe I'm just getting the steam of the wisdom right now. And um, I didn't dip my bread in yet, though. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And um, you mentioned that you also have a, you have a Haja tale in there as well. I do. I do. In fact, this is, I have one where the two meet. Ooh. Two tricksters meet. And this story, I put this into a category. I have a a program of stories. I have lots of different programs that I offer to schools and I tell them to adults. I tell them to kids. This is in my school inappropriate stories program. (laughs) You'll see why. It's not tremendously inappropriate, just a little bit. And kids love it. The Hoja went out one day to cut wood and he climbed up in a tree and he was sawing off the limb that he was sitting on. Clever Peter went by down below and said, hey, you're going to fall. Hodja said, mind your own business. Clever Peter said, no, I, you, I, I'm, you're going to fall. You're, you're sawing off that branch that you're sitting on. Mind your own business. Go away. Clever Peter shrugged his, his shoulders and went on his way. And it wasn't long before the Hodja sawing through that branch fell. He stood up he dusted himself off. He ran after Clever Peter. You, you told my future. You told my future. You told me I was going to fall and I fell. So you can tell the future. Tell me, tell me, when am I going to die? Clever Peter said, I don't know when you're going to die. No, you do. Don't, don't hold back. Tell me, when am I going to die? Clever Peter said, really, I do not know. The Hodja said, you better tell me when I'm going to die. Clever Peter said, all right. I will tell you, you will die when your donkey has farted seven times. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you. The Hoja went back to gather the wood that he had cut. He cut it up into smaller pieces. He loaded it on his donkey. He said, take it easy, donkey, take it easy. He loaded all of that wood on his donkey. He had all kinds of tools and other things on the donkey as well. It was quite a heavy load. And he set off toward home. As he was going up a little hill, it was a bit of a strain for that donkey. And all of a sudden, oh no, oh no, I'm going to die when my donkey has farted seven times. That's one. Take it easy, donkey. Donkey went a little farther up the hill and, oh no, that's two. Oh dear, oh dear. He went a little slower. And, but it wasn't long before. Oh no, that was, that's four in all. I'd better dig my grave. So he had a shovel uh, with, his, with his donkey as well. So he, 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 he dug a, a grave right in the middle of the road. It took him quite a while. And as he was digging, yeah, he heard it again. And then he was almost ready. He was almost finished digging his grave. Oh no, 
There's only one left. He sat down in the grave. And then he heard the last fart. He lay down because he knew he was dead. He knew he was dead. Clever Peter had told him. But as he was lying there, he heard some bells clanking and he didn't know what it was. It was a, it was a camel driver going to market and the camels were wearing bells. Clever Peter sat up in that grave to look out to see what it was and that scared the camels. The camel driver came to see what had spooked his camels and he, he, he saw Clever Peter sitting in a hole in the middle of the road and he picked up his stick, the camel driver picked up his stick and started to hit, uh, to hit the hoja. The Hoja was sitting there and he started to hit the Hoja. The Hoja jumped out of the grave, ran all the way home, and he said to his wife, Whew, what a day I've had. I have to tell you, I died today. And the camel drivers in heaven are just as bad as they are on earth. Bravo, bravo. Wow. Yeah, the poor, the poor man. The poor man. <laughs> It, it reminds me, it, it, it actually feels like a great metaphor for doing card readings. You know, you, you can really hit some amazing psychological insights, at least in the, the readings that, that me and my co-host can do. Um, and sometimes that can have a really powerful effect on people like, wow, you can really, you can see into things, you can see the future, but <laughs> actually not. Uh, I mean, there's maybe some intuitive insights, but it's more about working with what, what you, what's, what's real and present. You're sawing your own branch off. You can't see it, but <laughs> now that we're looking at it together right now, it looks like that may be the case. Oh, that's not fortune telling. <laughs> <laughs> So wonderful. What a great tale. And so let's transition now to our time of year right now when we're report, recording this podcast. It's springtime, uh, just on the cusp of springtime, actually. Uh, we're in the month of March. And on March 1st, we have Baba Marta Day. Baba meaning grandmother, Marta meaning March. Uh, and there's this wonderful custom that I've uh, gotten to know through my husband, Joro, as well, which is uh, the wearing, the giving and the wearing of the Martinitza, which are these little red and white tassels. Uh, often they have like a masculine and feminine uh, component. They're like little dolls. And you wear these until you see the first sign of spring. And then you tie them to the nearest ideally flowering fruit tree uh, for good luck, for, for good health, fertility, um, especially the, the fertility part, as I understand, but I, I don't always tell that one to the kids, but <laughs> <laughs> we love making them at the school. And does Baba Marta show up in any of these tales at all? Um, I don't actually have her in any of the stories in my book, although um, I've, I've thought about I thought about putting something in about her because she is uh, um, she definitely she's very powerful. Um, she's very cranky um, and she has uh, a couple of brothers, Big Sechko and Little Sechko, who were January and February. Oh. And um, they they often they get in trouble because they steal her wine. Mm. And you don't you don't want to make Baba Marta angry because she will she will keep the spring away. If you, right. if you don't 
uh, appease her, then it's going to be a while before it really is spring. You know, Bulgaria is a mountainous country, and um, it it does it does snow quite a bit there in in the winter. And th they say that uh, when there's a big wet snow in March, that's just Baba Marta shaking out her feather beds as she's doing her house cleaning, her spring cleaning. I love that she she's a part of this kind of old woman archetype that that gives us the crankiness because mm -hmm. you know you get all you get a lot of this kind of uh archetype of the old wise woman and she's you know she may be a wit like she may be like um uh who am I thinking of from Russia the Baba Yaga Baba Yaga right um so she may be kind of a scary witch type or she may be like kind of warm and um friendly and wise and 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 there's something I love about Baba Marta she's just so authentically uh, moody and cranky, which <laughs> um, reminds me a little bit of my mother-in-law, but <laughs> um, so we're going to, um, let's try an experiment. I'm going to share with you a story that, you know, I got inspired by all this Baba Marta stuff and the Hitchpetter stories, the trickster. And, and I was surprised to learn that these two, as far as I know, as far as my husband knows, were haven't been in a story together. Right. So this story came to me one spring, uh, I think a few years ago, and uh, it, and it's Bulgarian approved in terms of my husband. So, but you're you're you've really researched all of this. So I'm going to run this story by you, <laughs> and maybe you can help me make it better at some point. But um, I'm going to give it my best. You know, taking liberties as a imaginative American here and and a tell a story called Hitchapetter and Baba Marta. So Hitchapetter, he was a poor man, but he was lucky enough one winter to become a shepherd. So he got to tend the sheep. And it wasn't such a bad job, you know, tending the sheep, it, you know, but it did mean being outside all the time with the sheep. And I don't know if you know Bulgarian winters, but they are freezing and there is lots and lots of snow. And Hitcher Petter was just feeling like, oh, if only this, this winter could be over. I, I, I'm, I was imagining being a shepherd in these nice green fields and, and just being able to relax and be with the sheep. But, but this just is just too freezing. But it's not going to be the end of winter until Baba Marta smiles. But there's a problem with Baba Marta. And everyone knows this thing about Baba Marta. Baba Marta is extremely grumpy. She has a frown that is etched so deeply into her face. It's almost impossible to make her smile. But there's something somewhat everyone else knows as well about Baba Marta, and that is that she's rather vain. She doesn't like to be thought of as old. Uh, she doesn't like people to reference her oldness. She likes to be think, thought of as she sort of is, which is immortal and forever young. And she wants everyone to see her this way. Mm, so clever, hit your pet her he thought that he might have a plan. 
So he and all of his sheep made their way up the big snowy mountain up to where Baba Marta lived in her house. And he knocked on the door. And opening up the door is indeed the most miserable, grumpy looking Baba Marta. It confirmed all the facts he had ever known about Baba Marta. And she did not look happy to see him. What can I do for you? Now, there's something important about Bulgaria you need to know here. And that is that they, it's, it, it's important in their culture to, to treat their guests well. If someone is coming and knocking on your door, especially in the middle of winter, you've got to be nice to them. You've got to welcome them in, allow them to be warm by the fire, give them some refreshment. Mm. So Hitcher Petra knew this. And he said, is that how you treat a guest, Baba Marta? I am out here. I am so cold and I need some warmth and some refreshment. Can, can you please just treat me as a guest? Oh, very well. And so Baba Marta following, she is Bulgarian, so she must invite him in. And so he sits down. And she offers him some of her famous wine that she is known to have. And it is indeed very delicious, but Pitcher Petter is clearly in his plan here as he sips it and says, oh, this is so delicious, Baba Marta. This is just like mm, what my sister serves me when I go over to her house. And you know, you are a bit like my sister. She is so lovely. She's just a beautiful person. And Baba Marta thinking that she's something like this sister of this younger hitter petter is quite a compliment. She she likes that, but her frown just budges just a tiny bit. Not a smile. Not a smile. Not at all. Still a frown, indeed. But Hitter Petter is encouraged. That frown has moved just a tiny bit. So he's feeling pretty good. And so next she brings him some banitsa, which is this delicious pastry filled with hot cheese right from the oven. Oh, it is such a delicious food to eat. Oh, that phyllo dough. And so he munches on this and he goes, oh, this is just like what my mother makes. This is just the most delicious bonnets. And my mother, you got to know something about my mother. She was the most beautiful woman in the world. And this is so good. Now, Baba Marta, she, she likes being compared to this most beautiful woman in the world. And her frown moves up just a tiny bit when it is just a line across her face. She is not smiling. She is not frowning anymore. She is just straight across her face. Hitcher Petter is feeling very, very encouraged. And Baba Marta says, well, I can make all kinds of things. I can make desserts too. And so she brings out some homemade cookies. They're like long powdery lady fingers that are the best cookies in the world. I've tried them before my mother-in-law makes, they, they really are the best cookies in the world. 
Now something happens when Hitter Petter tries this cookie. He takes a bite and authentically, truly, 100%, it is the cookies his grandmother used to make. And he cannot believe that someone else has been able to make a cookie just like his grandmother. He starts to speak without thinking. He says, these cookies are so delicious. They are just like what my grandmother makes. And my grandmother, you look just like my grandmother and she's dead. Oh, oh, Baba Marta's mouth goes from a straight line all the way back down into a frown. And she grabs Hitcher Petra by the pants and throws him out the door until he is neck up in the snow, along with all of his sheep. And Baba Marta comes to the door. She puts her hands on her hips. She looks at Hitcher Petra with her deepest frown yet. And she says, what do you think of yourself now, Hitterpetter? And Hitterpetter, neck up in the snow, all he can do is look around at the sheep whose legs are buried also in the snow. They're looking like poor, fluffy little things. And he looks up at the sky that is filled with miserable, fluffy looking clouds. And he says, the only thing on his mind. I have just but a riddle for you, Baba Marta. What do you call a sheep with no legs? And Baba Marta doesn't like riddles much because she can never figure them out quite. So she just impatiently says, what is it? What is a sheep without any legs? And Hitter Petter looks up and he says, clouds. And just as he's looking up, saying this most ridiculous thing Baba Marta has ever heard, there is the sun breaking out from those clouds because Baba Marta is smiling. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. And I, I think you've got the, uh, you've got the Bulgarianness of it. Oh, good. That's what I was going for. <laughs> yep. yep. I'm, I'm still trying to find a funnier joke in the end, but, you know, it's a work in progress. Uh -huh. Got to get something authentically Bulgarian in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, that was so much fun just, just to see those. I think that's something fun with folklore folk tales when the characters can come alive and you just start to see them interact with each other and do ridiculous things yes. uh, you can allow our imaginations to follow that and uh, keep playing with these these characters and these tales mm -hmm. you know there's um uh, this is only sort of only sort of on topic um there is a character in bulgarian fiction called Baiganyo. And um, he, it comes from a book that was written in uh, 1902, but, but he's such a character that people continue to tell stories about Baiganyu. They, can, they make up stories about Baiganyu, even though he's a literary character. And so you, you can kind of do that with, with some of these characters. And, and you've done that well by putting Kitr Petr and uh, Baba Marta together. 
Yeah, I think I have a very both end mentality around stories. Like I, I feel like the the classics, the originals need to be maintained and retold. And, you know, I don't think we were ever meant to stop telling and making up stories, right? That that it's a it's an ongoing legacy, right? That we, we feel the spirit of these characters, they they arrive. Uh, and what what are these fools and tricksters going to do next? <laughs> and I don't remember who it was. There is somebody famous who said that folk tales are not sacred. Mm. They have the element of the sacred in them at times, but they can change. They grow and change with the times. Wow. They, they really feel alive. They have their own little living and breathing trajectories that um, encompass our lives within them as they go yeah. along. Fabulous. I love that. I want to find out who said that. <laughs> I will find it. I had it written down somewhere recently. Oh, great. All right. We'll follow up with that. And then, um, so uh, Priscilla Howe's book is clever, kind, tricky, and sly. So it, anything you want to say about the title before we kind of close up our our podcast interview here? Well, I, I kind I, I like this title very much, actually, because Clever Peter is, uh, you know, he's he is... Some, some Bulgarians don't like that translation of his name. They prefer Sly Peter or um, oh, there's another one they use for him. But I, I, I like Clever. Um, and, and I also am, am quite drawn to, to stories of kindness. And Clever Peter is often tricky. He's often sly. Um, and I, I like trickster stories. So um, I, I wanted the kindness in there as well as the tricky tricky and sly and I feel like that's a very unique um aspect to your your collection here and and to who you are as a storyteller I feel that with all your your humor and your tricksteriness that there is this uh heart in all of your stories that is deeply felt so thank you mm, wonderful and so um where where best can people get your book if they're interested in this well, uh, Bulgarian folktale sampler I I um I have been asking people to get it from local bookstores, independent bookstores. Although I know that you've had a difficult time getting it, and and other people I've I've suggested this to have had a hard time getting it. So if you can't get it locally, then you could get it from bookshop.org. Bookshop.org supports independent bookstores, and if you can't get it that way, you can get it from Amazon, and it is available on Kindle. So it's um it's available in in more than one format. Who knows? Maybe someday that it will be available as an audiobook. Got to talk to the publisher about that. Well, I hope <laughs> that it's you narrating because you would be fabulous. And uh, thank you so much. And my mine is on order. I can't wait to get my own copy. And it's just going to be um, it's just going to be like bread on my bookshelf. I'm going to be consuming it often. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me too. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We know you could have done something else the last 30-ish minutes of your life, but we're so glad that you spent it with us. Find out more about Priscilla on our website, PriscillaHow.com, and that's how with an E. And are you a fan of this podcast? We hope you are. If so, please rate and review us on whatever app you use to listen. And connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Tarot Podcast. I think that's us on Twitter too, but we're rarely there. Anyway, our email is tarotpodcast at gmail.com. Big, big, huge thanks to our patrons. Yay, Peter Janet, 
Richard, Joro, Juniper, and Rash of Stay Woke Tarot. We appreciate our patrons and their support. You can find out more about the wonderful benefits of being our patron at tiny.cc slash tarotpodcast. This episode is sponsored by me and my free-range priestess, Shop on Etsy. You'll find unconventional rosaries, quirky prayer beads, tarot jewelry, and more. Just search for Free Range Priestess on Etsy. I also have a website, freerangepriestess.com. And this podcast is produced by Both End Media, and the theme music is by Lunar Group. Until next time, this is us. Aloha. Aloha.